Welcome to the Cuban Family Roots Podcast, a monthly podcast dedicated to discussing Cuban history and ancestral roots. I'm your host, Aileen Vega, podcasting from Woodbridge, New Jersey. As a genealogy enthusiast, I created the Cuban Family Roots Podcast to help others in their genealogical journey. I conduct interviews with Cuban researchers and geneticists, authors, and those with knowledge and expertise in Cuban history and genealogical research. I'm committed to conducting interviews that will point to genealogical information and resources to lead family historians in the right path to finding their family roots. From 1492, when Columbus claimed the island for Spaniards to present-day Cuban, our history has been rich and traumatic. Now our family history is slowly vanishing due to archival despair. Cubans inside and outside the island yearn to capture, learn our past, our origins, and our ancestral roots. Knowledge of our history is the key to keeping our Cuban family roots alive. I hope you enjoy listening to each episode as much as I enjoy producing them. The Cuban Family Roots Podcast can be heard on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can support us by simply listening and engaging. Today's episode is about genetic genealogy. Have you done a DNA test and are confused about your ethnicity results? Are you overwhelmed by the number of matches and don't know what to do? Your parents appear to be related, but you had no idea how. And you're getting a match that appears to be a sibling. Wow. Welcome to episode four of the Cuban Family Roots podcast, Genetic Genealogy 101. I'm your host, Aileen Vega, podcasting from Woodbridge, New Jersey. Today is April 1st, 2021, and we have an informative episode. But before we begin, I want to thank our new listeners from Portugal, Japan, and Romania, and I want to wish all my listeners a happy Siblings Day. In today's episode, we're going to discuss genetic genealogy by explaining what is genetic genealogy as opposed to traditional genealogy, how we can use both to work out our precise genetic relationships, and what are the benefits from genetic genealogy, how we can use it to prove our paper trail, and discuss the various types of DNA tests and their purpose. In our second segment, we interview Diane Souther, a leading voice for consumer DNA testing, founder of Your DNA Guide, and author of Your DNA Guide, the book. Diane will answer some of the most sought out questions from the Cuban genealogy community. She'll explain how to put things into perspective when it comes to having many DNA matches that tend to overwhelm even the most knowledgeable. Through the interview, we discuss the best DNA to use for highly endogamous populations, and she explains why siblings have different ethnicity results. In addition, she shares a case and how she was able to help that individual using her DNA guide. We'll be right back. Genetic genealogy and traditional genealogy at work. Three years ago, through a DNA test, it was revealed to me that my parents were fourth cousins. Although my father had passed away in 2016 and was not tested, I tested my mother and my father's two siblings, his brother and sister. To my surprise, my mom was a fourth cousin match. 
I was a bit taken back at first, but later realized that coming from a small village in Cuba, this was very much possible. Using the testing company, I knew they were second to fourth cousins. I was able to pinpoint where the match was coming from. It was from my father's mother's side and my mother's father's side. The next task was finding who was their connecting great-grandparents. I was able to do this through traditional genealogy. Through the paper trail, I was able to find that Rafael Sanchez and Rosa Maria Morales y Perez de Morales were my great-grandparents, and they were my parents' connecting ancestors. We have all used traditional genealogy to trace our family history by using documents, sources, historical evidence to get us as far back on a particular line. When we use traditional genealogy, we have to evidence sources to back up our findings. Now we have genetic genealogy, where we use DNA tests and analysis, and we combine it with traditional genealogy to add an extra piece of evidence or clue to the genealogical puzzle. Here are some benefits to DNA testing. Number one, it can help you find your living relatives. Number two, it can help your relatives find you. Three, it can help you discover what region your ancestors are from. Four, it can help you construct an accurate family tree. And five, it can help you make more informed decisions about your health. Here are three types of DNA tests that are important to genealogists and should be important to you. The first one is the autosomal DNA and is carried out on the number of chromosomes. Each person has 22 pairs of these. Rather than the two sex chromosome X and Y, each person has a pair of just one of these. So about 50% of your autosomal DNA is inherited from each of your parents, so testing reports on your combined ancestry from both of them. Then you have the Y DNA, and this tracks the Y chromosome, which is passed down from generation from father to son. What is special about the Y chromosome is that it's continuing down the generation along with the surname of the paternal line, and this is why the Y DNA testing and genealogical surname studies are perfect marriage. And then you have the empty DNA, and this is the maternal line DNA. It is passed from mother to daughters and sons. However, sons cannot pass it down to their children. Daughters, however, pass it down to their own daughters and sons. This type of DNA is traditionally used to solve ancestry mysteries that go far back in time. We'll be right back. Today, I interviewed Diane Southern, a leading voice in genetic genealogy. Diane helped pioneer the Sorenzo Molecular Genealogy Foundation and spent nearly 20 years in the genetic genealogy community. Her knowledge and experience have culminated into her current position as owner of Your DNA Guide, where she and her team assist individuals and families in interpreting their genetic results. 
She's a regular contributor to Family Tree Magazine and publish her own blog at www.yourdnaguy.com. She recently published a book called simply Your DNA Guy, the book. Diane has a passion for genetic genealogy, a genuine love for people, and a gift for making the technical understandable. I leave you with Diane Souther. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, how did you get involved in this career? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, when people ask me that, um, I often just say divine intervention uh, because <laughs> I really, um, I, you know, you look back at your life and you think of all the little decision points and the things that have led you to the place that you are. And I never anticipated that I would be here, uh, but uh, I think along the way, I was just led to all the, the right turns. Um, it really comes back to, if you want to get to the, the origin, origin story, comes back to my high school English teacher. So he um, told all of us graduating seniors that the best thing we could do uh, for our career would be when you got to college to uh, find a professor who's researching something you were interested about and get involved. So I tell that to like every graduating senior I meet because it's totally changed my life. So I wanted to do something with DNA, with genetics, and I went, I was going to Brigham Young University. I went to the office of, of the biology department and I asked the, the secretary to give me a list of the things that different professors were researching. And she had a list right there. And you look down the list and it's like a lot of really boring, complicated things. And then Dr. Scott Woodward was researching the genetics of ancient Egyptian mummies. And I was like, wow. um, yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> um, so I walked down the hall, I knocked on his door and asked him if he needed another lab assistant. And, and I, I started doing some, some work on, on these bone samples that they'd brought back from the cemetery in Cairo. And um, anyway, that yeah. project ended up turning into the Sorensen Molecular Genealogy Foundation, which was the first effort really to create a genetic genealogy database. So, so that's where it all started. <laughs> that's where it all started. Tell us about your book, uh, your DNA guide, and how it can help those of us who are trying to understand this whole genetic business. Yeah, it's complicated, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah. So I've been, I mean, I've been in industry now for 20 years, basically, again, since the beginning. And, you know, all along the way, people were asking, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? And it wasn't ever like one of my goals. Like I know a lot of people who it's kind of their goal. I, I want to be an author. I want to write a book. And it really wasn't ever something I imagined myself doing, especially right. because this industry changes so fast. Exactly. You know? And it mm -hmm. takes a long time to write a book. <laughs> And I felt like, it does. yeah, I was like, as soon as I write it, it's going to be outdated. Like, why would I do that? Um, right. But really what it came down to is that the more um, I met with people, so we meet with people one-on-one, -on -one, we call it mentoring. So if you have a, a question about your DNA test results, we can meet together online and we help you go over things. And essentially over the years, as I met with more and more and more people, I started to recognize that I was saying the same things you know mm -hmm. like everybody's right. question is different right everybody's family tree is different every DNA situation is different but I recognize like there are 
really concrete steps that you can take that everybody right. can take. Right. And exactly. so, yeah. And they're kind of timeless, really. Like it, it won't matter. I mean, yeah, I'm sure our testing companies are going to come out with really great tools. I'm sure there's a lot of advancing that needs to happen, but overall the process I realized is the same. And so that sometimes, gave there's just too, sometimes there's just too much information. So to have a guide would definitely be helpful. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and so actually I gave this webinar last week where I was basically like, Hey, are you trying to do all the things? Are you trying to do chromosome browsing and segment analysis? And are you, have you tested every testing company? And, you know, are you trying to do all the things because a lot of people are, and I just said, you don't need exactly. to, you just, you don't need to do all the things. There are a few things you need to know, and there are discrete steps you can follow and your journey will take its, its unique path, but there is a process that you can learn. And so that's why I wrote the book was really to say, this is the process. So what I like about the book is that I try to, it's like a choose your own adventure, right? Because you mm -hmm. start at the beginning and you say, I want to learn about my two times great grandfather. I don't know who he is. I'm trying to find him. I say, okay, great. And then I tell you what to do. I say, okay, turn to page 42 and start here. And then I take you down this path. And then I say, okay, go look at your DNA test results and tell me what you have. And you go look and you come back to the book and I'll say, let me guess, you have situation A. Yes, good. Turn to page 97. Do you have situation B? All right, then you need page 104, right? So like, it's a, a branching path. Like these steps aren't like all linear in a row. It's a branching system for sure. But I feel like there is a system. So you just need to get on the path and then you just follow it wherever it leads you. Exactly. I love it. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say I have thousands of, of matches and I'm totally overwhelmed. I don't understand what to do with the information. What would you say to them? They are, are not alone. And it's, isn't it kind of an exciting and wonderful problem to have? I mean, did we yes, really, right? you know, imagine even five years ago that you would have so many DNA matches and isn't it crazy to think that you're related to most of these people on your list like it's amazing it's amazing this is a small world we live in really it I is. love that idea and I hope people don't like lose sight of that idea but it is overwhelming to have so many relatives um so again so there's a step-by-step -step process I think of it like if you were to walk into a research library um, your local one, maybe a university one, or even the huge library downtown Salt Lake City. If you walked in there and you just randomly started pulling books off the shelf and browsing through them, wouldn't you be overwhelmed in about 30 seconds? Oh, I absolutely. Mean, <laughs> right? And I think people are approaching their DNA test results like that. You're scrolling through your match list, you're clicking on things randomly, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with all this stuff, right? So- mm -hmm. So your, your best organization tool is a question. Like if you come to your DNA match list saying, I want to know about this particular ancestor, then you can learn how to find the matches that have to do just with that ancestor. Like to filter oh, wow. essentially your whole match list and give you the handful of people that are just connected to the line you want to research. Oh my God. You don't know how scattered I am. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm getting your book right away because <laughs> I need help, <laughs> just like most people. 
That's great. Um, you know, people say um, there are a number of, you know, tools uh, for tracking and ana analyzing your DNA results, you know, including segment analysis. Is there one tool that you would recommend over uh, uh, for those members of highly endogamous populations like us Cubans? Yeah, right. Endogamy is tricky. And it's and DNA is not as easy when you come from an endogamous community, because what I was just talking about, how you can pull out of your match list, just the matches you want to work with. It's just a lot harder because the tool we use to do that is called the shared matches tool. And so when you click on someone and you choose shared matches, it's going to show you everyone who's genetically sharing with you and that other person. Now, in mm -hmm. non-endogamous communities, that works really well, right? Because then you just get this group of people that are related to you just in one, one way, right? Through one line. With endogamy, right. that doesn't work, right? Because you just get everyone. So with endogamy, it's really important that you understand and think about a concept I call the generation of connection. So it's not necessarily a specific tool or a, a website that you need to go to, but it's just an idea. So mm -hmm. the idea is that with each match on your match list, you have a generation of connection, which to me means that's the place in your matches family tree that you should be looking for your common ancestor. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you look at your match and the matches say your first cousin. Okay. So what's your generation of connection with your first cousin? Well, it's your grandparents, right? That's the generation right. in your matches chart that holds your common ancestor. Okay, great. Right. So the same principle applies to your third and fourth cousins. It just becomes a lot more genealogy intensive to figure it out. Because when you're looking at your match and you're saying, okay, this person should be my third cousin. Okay. Then you ask yourself, all right, what is the generation of connection? How far back in this matches tree will I need to go before I run into our common ancestor? Well, third cousins share two times great-grandparents. Everybody has eight two times great-grandparent couples. Mm -hmm. Unless there's multiple relationships or endogamy, which in your case there may be, right? But still, if you know them, then you can see, oh, these two couples are the same. Like I come from this couple twice right. or whatever, right? But at mm -hmm. least then you'll know. And then it becomes like a multiple choice question. Okay, I've got these eight couples or these five couples or these six couples, however many you have. And that's your connection. One of those couples should be connecting you. So if you right. have a hole in your family tree at that um, two times great grandparent level, you don't, you're missing one and you're looking at a match and you can see all of theirs, then really one of their couples belongs in that spot on your tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just recently, well, after my parents passed away, I had tested my mom a little bit before she passed away. And I, I tested my, my dad's uncle bef before he passed away. And I found out that there were third cousins to my surprise. Mm -hmm. And luckily, through paper trail, I was able to find their common and, um, you know, great grandparents. Mm -hmm. But had, had I not done that DNA test, I would have never known. It would have, you know, I, I would have known because I have so many people in my tree. I, I can't keep up sometimes. So, yeah, the, the DNA test definitely comes in handy. And, you know, trying to figure that out is definitely important in following those steps. There's another question that a lot of people have, including myself. Um, 
you know, you have a sister who has a family tree back to the 1700s, along with your other sibling who has another has done the same. And they have strong, um, uh, strongly concluded that they have significant, let's say, Spanish DNA. But basically, they're not seeing that the result in their ethnicity estimates from their DNA site. Uh, with with ethnicity, I think the question uh, here is as always: the, Can we trust? Can we trust it? And why are they different? Why does the one sibling get one thing and then another? You know, like how how is that? That's very confusing to a lot of people. Yeah, it is really confusing because you're like, we have the same parents. Why mm-hmm. don't we have the same ethnicity results? <clears throat> so the question's really, really about a couple of things. Number one is that you have to remember that even though your siblings, which is one of the very closest genetic relationships you can have, you still only share half of your DNA. So right. that means there's half that is different. So you should get different results because you're dealing with different DNA. So that's the first thing. And really, it, it expands your view of your family history when you can compare the results of multiple siblings, because then you actually get a better view, a more well-rounded view of your heritage instead of just your own kind of myopic view. Like, here's me. Right. This is what my family is. But you're only half of your family, you know. And so it's exactly it's, it's really helpful, actually, to have multiple siblings and to gain that extra perspective. So instead of seeing it as as wrong or disagreeing with each other, you need to think of mm-hmm. it as another perspective. This is another oh. view of the same data, right? I didn't think about that. That's, that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing about ethnicity is, um, like you were saying, how they their paper trail says Spanish, but we don't see that reflected in their ethnicity. And that that's a more complicated problem. And it has to do with several factors at our DNA testing companies, but probably the biggest factor is what we call their reference populations. So each company has different reference populations. They've tested different communities of people and there's different people represented in their database. So number one question to ask yourself is, does this company even have a strong representation of people from Spain? Because if they mm-hmm. don't, they aren't going to be able to tell you you're from Spain. So, oh. yeah, understanding that reference population is really valuable. And the thing is, the company, a lot of times, they'll, they'll put you in like a broad category, like Southern European or something like that, that would represent that area. So you can look for that. Like it might not tell you the country you're looking for specifically, but look for it in those broad regions, which is them saying, huh, you're from somewhere around here, but we're not confident enough to put any kind of real name on the region. Another question that many, many of us have is, I was told that I have Spanish blood. I have 75% Spanish, but I'm actually 57% Portuguese. A lot of um, identity wrapped up in these DNA tests and um and it's really important to understand what exactly the test can and can't tell you before you start uh, getting worried about your identity, essentially. And this happens a lot. And so, again, I want you to think about reference populations and think about the proximity of Spain and Portugal to each other. Okay, Portugal's just a section of Spain, really, right? Um, I was wondering, right. we went to Portugal, my husband um, lived in Portugal for a couple of years, he speaks Portuguese, and we um, actually went oh. there in, in 2019. And I was just marveling, I was like, how did this even happen? How did they get this prime coastline? 
like it's just so funny to me how history taught them that that was not a necessary part of land anyway mm-hmm. totally off topic but I want you to think <laughs> about it in that sense and right that, right right no, these people sense. are like there's no even um I mean there's no border right like right. geographically even to separate these people from each other not really not a solid anything and so um they they had to have intermingled and um it's just so hard and that's why so places like portugal and spain that are right next door neighbors to each other and essentially have the same kinds of origins um similarly um like germany is a really hard place for people to um come back to genetically because they're right in the middle of everything and so right, there's people right. crossing through that territory all the time and so the genetics of it is just so complicated and so i think the the problem is that we think that someone from spain and someone from portugal are so different from each other their language is different their culture is different the food is different right these are very mm-hmm. different people in our minds, mm-hmm. but genetically mm-hmm. they are so the same, right? They yeah. have such common origins that it's really hard to tease out the difference at a genetic level. Now they're getting better at it and they'll keep getting better at it. And so I tell people usually just be patient and understand mm-hmm. that, that the d- DNA results are, um, are estimates right? They tell us that right there on the page. This is your estimate. This does not 100 all the time totally accurately represent your heritage. It's meant to be an estimate. So just be patient. And probably over the next several years, you'll find yourself changing from Portuguese to Spanish and it will be just fine. Wonderful. Can you, can you tell us, us about um, like a case that you have worked on just so that we can get an idea like what it is that you do and how you can help people. Sure, sure. So we're really in the DIY, your DNA business. So I like to um, be like, we call it mentoring or a coach, or I have my DNA skills workshop, for example, that you can come through a five week course where I teach you each week, a different skill that you go and then apply to your own research. And so we're really about teaching you how to do it because that moment of discovery, like that you had, you were just describing that you had found, oh my gosh, my parents are relatives. I want to do, get into Mm -hmm. the records and do the research. That moment, tell us, what does that moment feel like when you found that connection? Oh my God. I was overwhelmed. I was, I was, I had so many emotions (laughs) going through me, you know, like I couldn't believe it. I was like, how did I not know this? How did they not tell me? But they didn't even know. So, right. Yeah. It's, 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 you're like, just, you don't even know how to feel, how to think, you know, at that moment, it's like, like almost like shocking, you know, Yes. to find that it is right. And I want, I want to give you those experiences for yourself. Right. So we, right. Right. We like to just like help you along on your own journey so that you can make those discoveries on your own. And so a lot of what we do is we um, check in with you to make sure that you're on the right track. So like, you would contact us and we would look over your research with you and we would help you kind of redirect or say, okay, you're doing this really well. Let's try this strategy or whatever to help you learn as you go. Um, But through that process, we've helped so, 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 so many people find their family. I was just, I just heard from a man the other day. Um, He had emailed me just kind of with a, a relatively simple question, actually. So what he had asked was, 
um, he's taken a DNA test and in his DNA test results, he has only, he can only find relatives that are related to his mom. And mm -hmm. I was like, what do you mean? I mean, like just the people you recognize, like the names, you know, are the ones related to your mom and you don't know the other people. He's like, no, like I've had my mom tested and I showed him how to use that shared mattress tool I was talking about. And mm -hmm. literally all of his first, second, third, and most of his fourth cousins all share DNA with his mom. There were so, oh so few. And I was like, and so what it made me worry about was, was incest in all honesty. I was like, oh no, uh -huh. you know, this is, this is, if everybody on your match list is related to your mom, that's, you know, right. points to that your dad is also related to your mom. Right. Right. And so right. I tried to like gently talk to him about this and he's like, wow, that's something I hadn't considered. And, you know, and so we get some of these questions that are really complicated. And then he just, so that was in a mentoring session. Right. And then the hard thing for me is then I just like, here's some next steps. And I gave him some things to try, like, for example, um, at GEDmatch, which I never recommend people go to GEDmatch because I don't think they need it. But at GEDmatch, they do have this tool that asks, um, are my parents related? And you can run your DNA through that tool and it will tell you if your parents are related. So that's what I recommended that he did. So mm -hmm. he, and then I, you know, then I say goodbye and I <laughs> don't hear from him, right? And so right. He, he actually emailed me back uh, recently and he said, hey, I just wanted to follow up and let you know what I had found. Thank goodness my parents were not related, according to GEDmatch. And I was like, okay, well, that's a relief. But still, what's going on? How come you don't have any, any right. matches from your dad? And he had decided to take another advice that I had, which was to branch out. He'd only tested at 23andMe. And so I said, you know, test at Ancestry, test at MyHeritage, you know, see if you can, you know, branch out a little bit and find other matches. Right. And so he had tested at my heritage and he got a match um, that was a second cousin, like a pretty close match. Mm. And um, this person was from France and oh, wow. using other matches that he found on my heritage, he realized that his dad was actually a Frenchman who had been basically vacationing in the United States. And look at that. Right. And so this explained a mm -hmm. lot because in France, it's illegal to take a DNA test. So there aren't oh, really? very many people who live in France who've taken a DNA test. And it just really mm -hmm. reflects the fact that our databases, you know, while becoming more international, are still really US based, you know? That's um, true. And so, yeah, so MyHeritage, I feel like they've been more successful at finding people in other countries to take DNA tests. And so I found many more international matches there at MyHeritage than, than I've seen in other places. And that's just like, me again having these experiences myself or other people but i thought that was so interesting so yeah that was that was a really interesting case we just i just barely found a resolution to that's fascinating before we let you go how can we find your dna guy where do we go to get this book so the best place to go is yourdnaguide.com okay so when you go to our our website there we've got like basically four different profiles you can choose from so if you're looking for a birth parent then we have kind of linked to resources for you if you're interested again in that ethnicity information then we have a link for you if you're basically just getting started you feel like you're kind of a dna newbie then you'll want to click there and we'll give you some kind of getting started resources and then for those who are actively doing genealogy looking for an ancestor we have a link for you and so for each of those four different kind of ways you can navigate our website. We also have a free download. So if you want to go and grab a free download pertaining to ethnicity or finding a birth family or 
four next steps for your DNA. So those are all there for you to grab and, and kind of get a little something to start you moving on your journey. And of course, you can also uh, get the book or check out our mentoring service there on the website as well. That was my next question. If it, So if they want the one-on-one, uh, everything is laid out right there on that website. That's right, yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Diane. Today we learned that genetic genealogy is the use of genealogical DNA tests in combination with the traditional genealogical methods and helps us find biological relationships between individuals uh, and it helps us advance in our tree. They're the perfect marriage. Our guest today, Diane Southard, really I would say has the gift for making the technical understandable. She helped us understand that when it comes to siblings having different ethnicity results, you're only really half of your family. So it's it's really, we need to look at it from a, another perspective of the same data. And I really didn't look at it that way. I, I just got frustrated and um, that was really the wrong approach. So now I'm, I'm looking at this totally different after this interview. Um, Although the paper trail says one thing, DNA company says another, we have to think of reference population, Diane said. And the DNA company tested different populations than yours. So the question becomes, does this company have a representation of your of the people, let's say from Spain in the case of Cubans? So understanding the reference population is important. Otherwise, they might put you in a broader region. Like sometimes, as she explained, You know, you might be from Spain, but they might put you like in, um, you know, South Europe or something like that or Eastern Europe because maybe they share very common DNA. In terms of reference population, she also advises to look at the proximity of two countries, such as in the case of Spain and Portugal, then the, ge the genetics are the same. Uh, common origins at a genetic level. So be advised to be patient because DNA results are estimates only. It's not 100% representing your origin. And the DNA companies tell you this. They tell you from the very beginning, this is an estimate. So I, uh, we really have to take that literally. Um, she also tells us that with a lot of these companies, the databases are US-based. And for example, MyHeritage, Uh, has a more has more success in finding people perhaps because their database is broader so that's something that I didn't even think about but I'm now giving that a thought her company your uh, DNA guy they teach you how to do it yourself so that you can have the experience for yourself of your own discovery so and she'll check to make sure that you're right on track so um, everyone should check out Uh, yourdnaguide.com Thank you so much and I hope that you have learned as much as I did. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Cuban Family Roots Podcast. Our podcast can now be heard on various platforms such as Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, to name a few. 
We're always working to improve and bring topics of importance to you, our listeners. Please drop us an email if you have suggestions. My email is cubanfamilyrootspodcast at gmail.com. Share the podcast with family and friends. This podcast, Genetic Genealogy 101, was produced by Eileen Vega, sound engineering by B. Torres, graphics and marketing, Anthony Yanis, coming up in May, Havana and St. Agustin intertwine. Thank you for listening.